Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing and following. It's Justin Hahnemann, the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas. I can't even wait. One of my best friends in the world is on the podcast today, Jack Sparks. Some of you know Jack. Like... He wrote an incredible book called The Power of Moving the Middle, Transforming Middle Performers into High Achievers. Like, I can't even wait. I, this is such a cool topic, especially right now as companies are coming back to the office and teams are coming back in and we're focused on developing people again. But man, I'm so great to have you here, Jack. I was so excited for the uh, interview today. Justin, like that intro is amazing. Like you're, you have more energy. Like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm watching you and I'm laughing. I was like, holy smokes! I, I gotta hold on a second, Justin. I gotta, I gotta adjust to catch up to you. That's awesome. It's so funny. <laughs> so, I, I so when I used to listen to your, oh my gosh, when I listened to your thing, I would always think that you were doing that intro as a, uh, as like a a set intro and now i realize that you, that Heck is live no. and, and in person it's every that's time amazing. that's right that's so funny <laughs> that's yeah jack and i can see each other we don't do video sometimes i get asked by our listeners do you do you guys why don't you do video i'm like i haven't ever done video we see each other when i'm doing my interviews but like it's just a lot of extra editing and quite frankly you can't it's not you can't just go for a walk or a run or a peloton and, and listen to a quick episode so um jack so great that you're here um, before we get to your book, which is just, I think, timely at, and, and timeless, quite frankly, how about share with our audience a little bit about you and your background? Okay. Uh, personally, one of 12 kids uh, grew up in uh, in a, yeah, uh, I know people are like, how many? Uh, 12. Jeez. I knew that. And it was, it was the same parents. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, even when I hear it, I, I kind of like scratch my head going, how the heck did my parents do it? We struggled with our own three. Uh, been married for 37 years, three kids, all Georgia Tech graduates. So Whoop. really, obviously, that's a that's a uh, a big plug for the Georgia Tech uh, alumni. Um, and I've, I've been super fortunate. I was I grew up as a caddy. And uh, I earned the Chick Evans uh, scholarship. So early on, I saw the importance of uh, what people do for others in a in an altruistic world that we live in. So so I got a chance to go to college. And, you know, although I may have caddied for some of the people that donated, uh, this was just one of those programs that elevated what I would consider people from the middle and gave them a chance to become uh, better human beings. Um, when uh, for a career, I've worked for Hershey, Pepsi, U.S. Surgical, Advo, uh, BI Worldwide and Lighthouse Global. And during my during my uh, tenure with Pepsi and U.S. Surgical, I got heavily involved in the Dale Carnegie sales program. And I was a graduate assistant, I think seven or eight times. And I think that those kind of fundamental drivers of development really kind of uh, put my career in the direction that it, it went. And I think Dale Carnegie's human relation principles should be core coming out of, for anyone coming out of college or high school, 
because they're so they're so fundamental to how you lead and how you you interact with other people. Love so your, that's a little bit about me. Yeah, I love that. We first met. Uh, I was working at Coca Cola at the time. Uh, Jack was like deep into this whole space of helping companies with incentive programs and how do you move and help people how do you encourage people to perform and how do you measure that and like it was fascinating like um just the space and then jack you had this idea about maybe writing a book right no that was your idea (laughs) (laughs) justin you kept telling me jack you have all these great stories about all the stuff that you're doing with your clients. And at the time, I had just kind of eclipsed a billion dollar impact with one of my largest clients in terms of of impact to their business. And you're like, you got to write a book. And I was like, I don't even know where to start. And uh, if it wasn't for you, it never would have happened. Oh so, my gosh. Well, I do think it's, I but, was, in, uh, I was, but there. the book was- <laughs> I was there to encourage you, but man, it, you 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 sat down and you started writing and and talk about some of that process. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. What I think most people forget is all of these great lessons that they learned throughout their lives, and what this what this initially served uh, served for me was a way to kind of put it into a into a framework, a model that I could share with others from a, from a lessons learned, a new perspective, a fresh perspective on how to solve some of the core business issues that most managers uh, deal with, which is how do you get your people engaged? How do you get them emotionally engaged in what they're doing? And how do you improve their performance? You know, when, when companies hire managers, they're doing for one reason, one reason only. It's not to babysit. It's to it's to win, and and it's to win in that, in whatever that field is, whether you're basketball, football, uh, IBM, or or any of the companies that I've worked for. And it's really difficult. And you watch these, you watch these NFL coaches, you watch these NBA coaches, and you go, wow, these guys are amazing. Well. They're facing the same challenges as that frontline manager is in terms of getting their people emotionally engaged. And and I felt like there were a lot of lessons learned from what I had done. And I thought that it was a valuable time to pass that along. Yeah, I love that. And yeah, you're right. You had so so many great stories. And we were talking, I'd written some books on personal branding and, and and Jack's like, he's telling me all these great stories. I'm like, you know, this is stuff that people could really value and use. And then came up with an outline and um and delivered that. And now also Jack uses it for presentations and workshops and whatnot, which is so cool. But but we're jumping ahead a bit. So um talk about okay, you you mentioned some of the premise here, transforming middle performers into high achievers. Talk about what you find with most companies. Like what is the problem that you see and that companies are dealing with? So there, um, I think there's this essence of everyone's being compared on the same on the same level, and um, I think what what I found, and I look, I had this human performance lab of a hundred thousand employees. So when you think of the size of the organization I was consulting with, it was massive. And the amount of data we were able to analyze was incredible. And it was right at the time when Tableau was first coming out. So we were able to do a lot of what-if scenarios. We were able to do a lot of predictive analytics around if we do this, what will happen to that? And what we found is that there were some really core things that were were the problem. So 
if you're always comparing a top performer to a middle performer or, or a low performer, you're disengaging that middle performer right off the bat and that, that lower performer. And the truth is, is they're all at different stages of their own development. So you to compare them to each other is automatically telling half the organization or three quarters of the organization to check out quiet quitting as they call it now, because you'll never compare to the Michael Jordans of the team. You're always going to be down here in the middle. And that's a, you know, most companies don't realize it, but 60 or 70% of their investment in their people is in these middle performers. And they don't have any deliberate strategy for these individuals to up the ante in terms of improve their performance, drive engagement, drive adoption, and do everything else. And it's, it's you know, this business that we're all in of life, it's not a one-size-fits-all. You have to adapt and you have to be thoughtful in terms of how you get people to adopt new concepts, training, and everything else. And if you for those managers that do that, their performance was always light years ahead of the 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 managers that just basically one size fits all, you know. And and we were able to kind of start seeing this variability in performance based off of the manager, and not just necessarily the the tenure of the of the team or the experience. It was really the manager. So fundamentally, um, what we learned was is the manager is the key to driving the success of your organization. And if you don't have a big investment in the development of those individuals, you're missing out on everything else that that is the future dominoes for organization. So you talk about managers and, um, I, and when you were working with, and when you've worked with companies uh, around programs to drive behavior, do, is it a requirement? Or is there a program requirement for every manager to then go deploy like a program or is it opt in or what have you typically found that works, you know, best with the companies you've worked with? So, you know, most, most initiatives that companies roll out, they think that it's going to get adopted across the, uh, across the organization. <laughs> and the truth is, is they're usually, there's, they're not the primary responsibility of that, that manager. So a lot of this stuff gets pushed aside. So, sure. Uh, an example of this is we had this program called Just Ask that we rolled out. And it was a lead referral program for service technicians that were servicing customers and businesses in the Southeast, uh, Southeast United States. And it was very much uh, like opt-in. But the managers were supposed to be encouraging it, and it took it. And it was it was a big effort to get the managers on board. And then when the managers got on board, you could see the teams that got on board, and you could also tell the managers that didn't get on board and how poorly or how how, how their teams didn't it didn't engage. So it so a lot of this stuff was, and a lot of programs are and initiatives are driven by the manager. Did, did the manager buy in? Whether it's a new product introduction, whether it's a, a change in processes, whether it's a change in the way that you're doing anything. So this variability in performance usually keeps coming back to, did your manager believe in it? Did your manager buy into it? Did your manager execute it? Interesting. And then what part do incentives 
play in the role of manager of encouraging behavior you know the in, in terms of incentives for in, managers and then their employees to perform and move and then how important are the metrics around this so i would say um personally i think the incentives are secondary think of the so so think of um the intrinsic motivation is what gets people to do things desire gets people to do things over time when you have external motivation that is, that requires a company to do a lot of of feeding the engine to keep it going so um i found that incentives were recognition and a reinforcement but the incentives don't get people to do anything the manager and that the the way that the team is performing is what gets people to do something the incentives keeps it going it creates this energy behind it but the incentive if if somebody if somebody doing something because of the incentive you've done you've you're rolling out the wrong program sure like, because it's going to cost you too much to get you're going to have to pay it's like paying your kids to do their homework or paying your kids <laughs> to get grades over time that's the wrong behavior as Got a parent. <laughs> that's great. Um, <laughs> that's an interesting thought, actually. Um, so, what about you? you also offer up and, and but the and, incentives yeah. are the incentives. The incentives here, just just to clarify, the incentives are a key piece of the of the ingredients of driving and sustaining performance. It it's sustained sustains it, it reinforces it, but it is not the, the primary motivation of it and it should not be. Got it. Makes sense. Um, you talk about some of the models um, for, for approaching um, moving the middle. Talk about how you think about models and then how your clients have been able to take those models and deploy them. Okay. So one of my favorite one was this 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 model we call the progression of engagement. And it basically was an adoption curve. And you could literally map out what were the activities that were in place for like a sales rep to sell a new product or for the adoption of a customer. And you could map that out. And then you what we would the the first levels were awareness and understanding. So think of your model and say, we need to understand why somebody does something successfully or why somebody doesn't. And a lot of it is the levels of the of the curve that they got to. So most companies come out and they push the awareness and understanding, and and it's they promote the heck out of out of a, a new program, a new incentive, or whatever. But if you don't get customers or your employees to utilize and become proficient, your likelihood to sustain performance drops off dramatically. The next, so you have awareness and understanding, then you have utilization and proficiency, and then you have promoters and advocates. Promoters and sure. advocates are your top people, and they're the ones that drive adoption. They drive behavior over time, and they could be internal champions. They could be product champions of your product where they start promoting it. I, I watch Ryan Holiday do these, do these, uh, podcast and he becomes a promoter of hokas and he talks about how great hokas are well he's be he not only he not only went to the curve of utilization proficiency but he's now become a promoter and advocate and that that 
drives the next level of, of engagement for somebody else. So what we were able to do was we were able to plot where people were, and then we were able to tell the likelihood of sustaining performance over time. So think of it as uh, one of the best examples was our client was, was rolling out a security system that they were selling through their retail locations. And if the sales rep didn't get to four sales per month, their likelihood to sustain performance dropped off by 50%. Wow. If they only got to three sales per month, it dropped off even more significantly. So you had this curve of, of likelihood to sustain performance that was dropping downwards rather than going up. So most people think, hey, we got everyone on board. Well, how are you going to sustain that performance over time? And that's time, that's right. the key. So that was one of that was one of the key models. And we had the data scientists putting in all the analytics behind it. So we could really start gauging how many times somebody had to do it before the likelihood to sustain was at a given point where it would extend out three months, six months, or 12 months into uh, from a performance standpoint. Got it. Interesting. And then, you know, if you look at, um, you know, I'd say during COVID, it was very challenging to, uh, to, to, you know, to deploy some of the traditional programs. But now many companies are back in the office. There's a big push to return to work, return to office. How does that play into manager thinking? I'm seeing a lot of companies, especially this year now, reinforcing mentoring and coaching development, kind of these types of uh, programs. So uh, how are you seeing that, that this, this type of thinking and moving the middle now coming back in now that companies are back with their teams? Managers are going to be even more important. Um, think about it is the manager, when you talk about a culture of a company, a culture is like many tribes within an organization. So you can have a high-performing team over in one area in on one coast, and then you can have nobody really inspired on the other side. So Getting to the manager, teaching them these skills, teaching them the importance of being engaged and being a leader among their teams and and doing all of the the necessary elements to to drive successful engagement and uh, interaction with each other, that's going to be critical. Um, and it's not easy. this is this is this is really great times for managers to develop their skills. Because it's not easy. It's it's not everyone's coming into the office at the same time where you can have these team meetings. It's going to be even a more dynamic environment, and you're going to have to be on your game, and you're going to have to you're going to have to look out. You're going to have to look for new ideas. You're going to have to search for, you know, one of the things I did last position, we were rolling out a new product, and and I used my my book as the playbook for what I needed to do, and I said, hey, I need. These this team to create a community of learning together. And we would meet three times a week for an hour each each session. And it was to talk about what we were learning. And the team initially it was a little slow, but you could see that the dynamics of the team, the energy of the team going through the roof as they were learning together and they were starting to share their learnings with each other. It was sure. it was it was. So cool because it's fundamentally how people learn is not from a manager, but from each other, from their experiences. This is, this is a tough time for every company, but it's a great time 
for the for managers to really make a difference in their organizations. I could see that. And I think that's, it does seem like a really great time to be able to be thinking about this topic and timely and timeless, as I was saying earlier. Um, you've probably seen, I, well, I know, I know that probably, you have seen companies do it well. You've seen those that haven't done it well. For those that have struggled, or maybe the numbers weren't as good as they could have been, like, what were the mistakes that they typically made, you know, either from a, a deployment perspective or just strategy perspective? Like, what were the things they didn't do that made the program not as effective? So think, so there's a lot of pieces to that question. <laughs> I mean, you're uh, going back to that example I used earlier about the security system. One of the things we found was the manager didn't get everyone engaged. The manager was the only one that really knew how to sell the security system. So the company rolls out this security system out to all these retail locations. They're talking about how well the, the, the product is selling. And we were the ones who can't go in to talk to the CEO and say, you have a problem. And he's, and he's like, what do you mean? And we're like, this is going to this is going to start crashing over the next couple of months. Your new store sales are driving your increases, not your 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 existing store sales. And he was wondering, like, how did you know this? And we were like, we're looking at your data. So you have to look at the data to see what's actually happening. But the other thing is, is don't throw incentives to fix a problem. Wind it back. What's the problem? Do people not understand it? Do people not believe in it? Are people not executing it? You have to understand the fundamentals of why thing is, is not working to fix it going forward. Throwing an incentive, throwing a customer incentive, throwing a sales incentive is a short-term fix. It's like putting a Band-Aid on a gaping wound. The, you are That thing is going to get worse. Got it. Makes sense. Um, really, really a great content. Um, for those that are out there, maybe they thought about putting together a book. They've got some ideas. Some of the, you know, they they've had this idea for a while. I mean, you took action, and and here you are. Um, you know, not only you know proud that you have it in hand, but you're out talking to groups and using it to really make a positive difference. What coaching would you give to them? Like for those that might have an idea and just haven't acted on it yet. Um. Honestly, I think it it came back to the environment I was in. I had a very nurturing environment of friends that were all aspirationally either interested in writing their own book or had written their own book. You have to find a community or create a community of, of like-minded people. You can't sit there with a bunch of people that aren't interested in it and think that they're going to inspire you to write it. So having a person like yourself, uh, there were so many great people that were part of our community that were right behind me saying, send me your chapters and I'll read them and I'll give you feedback. And, and uh, man, it just made all the difference in the world. So I, I think it's, it's finding yourself Find yourself a community, build a community, create the community that will take you there and and sustain that effort because it does take a long time. No doubt. No doubt. Well, um, it's, it's great to see not only the product, but like how it's, you're able to leverage it to help companies and organizations and managers and individuals and um, and, you know, find also kind of their purpose and find a way to leverage their strengths and then develop their maybe 
talents that are not so strong. But um, as we wrap up, Jack, share with our audience where they can find you, connect with you, buy the book, learn more, connect, you know, talk to you, et cetera. Hey, um, well, Justin, before we go, first and foremost, thank you for having me. This is a, uh, uh, this, we, it, for the audience, we tried this five years ago. And it was, and, I wasn't and going to say was that, Jack. On, <laughs> and uh, it was early on, and and there was it was just it was a crazy situation when we did our first one, and I was just like I was like time out, let's pull the plug. But uh, but if if people want to get a hold of me, it's sparts.jack at gmail.com. And I would love to, I would love to entertain any questions or any, any uh, thoughts on the book and honestly, or any encouragement. I, I think we all need to be in a position where you encouraged me and I need to uh, encourage other and help others in this process of taking life lessons and putting them to words and, and writing them down so other generations can learn from our experiences. And I think that that's a critical piece of the gift that we give future generations is in a gift writing because it 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 does get transferred over there. Most of the authors that are my favorite authors have passed away a long time ago, but they took the time to share their experiences. And and I feel like my life has been richer because I they shared their their these gifts uh, with the with the universe before they left us. So I hope that I hope other people will do the same. I love it. Um, if you if you guys can't tell, Jack's a very positive energy guy, which I love. And when we get together, it's just like <laughs> a thousand ideas. I leave breakfast and I'm like, oh my god! Like, you know, like when, when you're around other people with energy and you have energy, it's just like multiplication factor of ten times hundred, whatnot. Um, it's amazing, Jack. You're a great friend. I really appreciate it. Excited not only for what you've put together, but where this is going and how you're able to leverage it to help companies and individuals and moving the middle, transforming middle performers into high achievers. You can get it anywhere um, where you buy your books. Uh, I would recommend Amazon.com. It's got great reviews. And uh, Jack, you got to come back on and share more stories with us down the road. Will do. Thank you, Justin. And uh, appreciate everyone's time that listened through this. Thank you. The Contender Cast is powered by Contender Brands and is the top global consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast. You can find additional Contender Cast episodes on worldwide podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contendercast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender. <laughs>